Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. We are not a spoiler-free podcast, so make sure you listen to the movie. No, make sure you've seen the movie or movie we're talking about before you listen. I'm one of your very tired hosts, clearly. Right? And I'm your other host, Chris. And coming back with uh, more knowledge, more tangents, more fun facts. Oh, one of our favorite guests of all time, Amber. What Ooh. up? What up? Uh, Amber, I'm so glad you're back because guess what? We are reviewing Stab 3 through 7. How awesome is that? Wow. Oh, I, really, I really wish. I wish. I, I haven't left my house in like three days so I could watch all the Stab movies and learn them word for word. And the craziest thing is they're like exact matches to the Scream movies. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's a that's a, an interesting thought experiment. So seven movies, uh, seven stab movies. How long do you think it will actually take to watch all of them? Assuming they're like the same length as the screen movies, which is like in between like uh, like ninety minutes and two hours. So what what is that? Fourteen hours? Okay. Or... It's a, well, it depends. I could if I woke up early enough, I could probably watch them all in one day. Here's a question. So for the new Scream movie where it comes out in 2022, are they still talking about Stab? And if they are talking about Stab, if they were at like Stab 7 in Scream 4, where will they, what number Stab will they be Ten. in Scream 5? 10. Stab 10? I, yeah. Or, it's gotta, or. It's gotta have some sort of like monumental, like, because this is gonna be Scream 5. First of all, I don't know what the fuck they're gonna do for Scream 5, but I figure like Scream 5, you need to have... We've had an iPhone 10. We've had all this other shit that's come out. I feel like it has to be some sort of like monumental milestone. So I'm thinking like a decade of of stab movies. Or or or, you know, we were talking about Jigsaw, you know, in the in a, or Spiral in a previous episode. Um, what if they're trying to rebrand Stab into this new art house avant garde uh, series? Like it's like brand new director, brand new brand new mind behind it and they're trying to move away from the stab legacy but still have their cake and eat it too so whatever they what call it like gonna be yeah it'll be called like skewer from the book of stab or something wow stab x. Stab, stab x x like jason right stab x just like jason x like i i really think that they would try and like re it, it's gonna be one of those things where it's gonna be like a remake of the of the very first one we're gonna do that not like retcon everything but it'll it'll be something it'll be something that speaks to what we've seen other movies do because let's be honest if they do a stab eight it's gonna be what scream four was then they have to try and do a sequel to that that'll be stab nine and then stab ten will have to be something that's like wholly quote-unquote original or a remake or in space it's not gonna be in space chris (laughs) (laughs) but <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's i don't know that's what i think interesting. interesting i don't want them to make scream five but they're doing it anyway so i you know same i got some mad beef i'm only upset really because scream is so perfect because it's like the only franchise essentially where the directors attached for all four films and the same core cast is attached for all four films like the chances of that happening in a horror sequel is insane and now we already know that we lost Wes Craven so we're just moving forward with at least the same three people but it's not the same like we should have just let that one die and if you want to go do 
Scream, do something else that's similar to Scream, or like we said, from the book of Scream. It just sucks we're making a movie without the person that was really the person that was driving all of these new innovative ideas from each movie to the next to make them so important. I, so that, <laughs> that that's part of my problem with Scream 3 is that Wes may have directed it, but Kevin didn't write it, which is why I don't like it as much as the other ones. I was watching it this morning before we recorded and my husband sitting on the couch watching that, watching me watch it. And when the movie ends, he looks at me, he goes, wow, this is really bad. This really sucks. And he's not a horror person. <laughs> and then I was like, I know one person that I'm talking to today that would wholly disagree with you. Yeah, I got some beef immediately. Oh, oh, I love this. I'm here for the tea. Let's go. Oh, Let's go right into it. Because I said this, I said this last episode. You, you, Amber, you said last week that you can never remember Scream 2 until you watch it. That's how I feel about Scream 3. I can appreciate what they're trying to do with it. I, it's really, for me, it's the weakest of the four. I really don't like Scream 3. Can you not remember Scream 3 when Courtney Cox's bangs are the most ridiculous things that anyone has ever seen? Like that already most memorable part of any. Well, she, and that's how she announced that she was on board for Scream 5. She tweeted out a picture of her with the bangs from Scream 3. That's how she announced that she was jumping on board with the project, which, like, that's hilarious. Like, you know that they sucked. Seriously, did she cut her own bangs for that? I don't understand. They just ran out of budget. (laughs) But it's just, it's just, it's a, for me, it's just like, all, all of the meta genre things aside, like the fact that they're filming, they're filming another stab movie and it's taking place in Hollywood and all of that aside, at its core, it's such a weak plot. Like, you... She has a half brother. What the fuck? Uh, all, right, all right, right, hold on, hold on. For, for, for uh, let's let's put a brakes on it for for anyone who just got just just did not listen to the last episode and just listen to this. I'm sorry, spoilers. And if you didn't watch the movies before listening to this, that's okay. Here are some quick synopsis because I I want to get back because like Rai has some burning thoughts. I I Amber's gonna step up the plate. She's gonna defend Scream Three. I'm I, so excited. Look, I want her to try and change my mind. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Uh, but just for a quick <laughs> recap, Scream Three came out in 2000. Uh, quote. While Sydney and the friends visit the Hollywood set of Stab Three, the third film based on the Woodsboro murders, another Ghostface killer arises to terrorize them. So that's Scream 3. And then we'll get to Scream 4, which I'm very, very excited to talk about. Um, the quick synopses. Oh, I just lost it. Oops. Cut that out. Okay. Quote, 10 years have passed and Sydney Prescott, who has put herself back together, thanks in part to her writing, is visited by the Ghostface killer. So, okay, with that out of the way, everyone's on the same page, especially all you Treffles listening. Let's get into Scream 3. Rye, you came out of the gate swinging. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I, oh, okay, every, when I turn it on, I go, you know, I always forget how this fucking movie starts, because I always forget that Cotton's in the third one. He's the first one to die. <laughs> and I like, again, I'll say, I'll say it again. I love all of the Hollywood movie shit that they did with this movie. I thought it was genius. Given the fact that Kevin did not write this movie, I thought that that part of it was fine. But some of the writing just, like, isn't good. And I don't mean, like, laughably bad good. I mean, like, it's just like it's not good. And there are a lot of enjoyable parts of it, but I always forget Scream 3 after I'm done with it. (laughs) 
I don't even know what to say, right? I'm disgusted (laughs) is what I'm going to say. Yeah, I agree. I think maybe the finale twist, like you've already kind of spoiled it, but that, you know, it is her brother. And I like how they tried to set that up in Scream 3, right? Like they're like, oh, you know, there's always some sort of epic trilogy twist. And they bring in Jamie Kennedy back from the dead for a video clip that his sister drops off and he kind of talks through. And that's true. In the third movie, they're always trying to like step up and make the connection between the two other movies. The problem is, is that usually in the third movie with those trilogies, you've had some sort of a plan made in the second one because you almost know that you're going to the third one. I don't know if they knew that they were going to get to have a Scream 3. And so that's where they gave this like crazy backstory. But going back to the writing, like his reveal, oh my God, um, I can't even think of the actor's name right now. Of, Super of Scrums. Yeah. Um, oh, Super yeah. Scott Foley. Scott Foley. Scott Foley, yep. Grey's Anatomy. He's like a big named actor, but his reveal writing was just kind of weak. Um, and and I, I think the other ending conclusions, like Scream 4, and we'll get into that very soon, insanely great ending writing. Scream 1, par great writing. Perfect. But yeah, Scream Perfect. 3, I agree. Writing's probably not as strong in this film. And that's yeah, why uh, it's the weakest for me because I sit there and I'm just like I can't like I can laugh at this. It's like it's like watching Seed of Chucky. I can laugh at it and I know that it's not the best, but it's something that you just have to accept as part of the universe that they built. <laughs> Ever so bad. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Ryan is just trashing on the entire career of Aaron Kruger. Uh, Kruger was best known for writing three of the five installments of the Transformers film series. So, I mean, uh, uh, writing in those are bad now. So, uh, these these are not even like the good Transformers Transformer movies. They were good Transformer movies. Well, I I think (laughs) out out of the Transformer movies, like the first two are like, you know, I think the the second one's bad too. Yeah, first one. Just but the uh, first one's good. Yeah, arguably, like Kruger wrote the worst one. So, like Revenge of the Fallen, Dark of the Moon, Age of Extinction. In terms of Dark of the Moon movies, had uh, had what's his face in it? Wahlberg, sorry? Marky Mark. Yeah, right? well, Marky Mark's in like the rest of them. I actually tried to watch Age of Extinction two years ago. It was so bad, I turned it off. Like, mm-hmm. like John Goodman was a was a, and I think Steve Buscemi. They were both Transformer characters, and I'm like. <laughs> Why is going like this is a robot like this what? is it was it was so bad like it was like laughable bad like the opening sequence for one of them it might have been age of extinction another one is like they're at it's like king arthur and they're the knights except in the knights there's also now transformers and i'm like oh my god like literally what happened to this franchise oh yeah anthony hopkins movies. was there i was like why'd you accept this role anthony hopkins you're <laughs> He's, he needed to take a break from making really creepy TikTok content and, and do a film. Well, he did just win an Academy Award for um, The Father, and people were super upset about it, so. Yes, because they think it should have gone to Chadwick Boseman, that's why. Yeah. Definitely. So as I'm continuing to read Kruger's career, like, he's penned some horror movies, like The Ring, Rings, The Ring 2, Brothers Grimm. Rings. Uh, well, rings, rings, ring too. Oh, trash, trash. Rings, I've like kind of enjoyed as I've a couple years out. I watched it the other day, but rings too. One mm. of the worst horror sequels of all time. Uh, besides that, 
Oh my, like he's, oh geez, he wrote Ghost in the Shell and, uh, okay, so I can see, I can see, (laughs) I can see why this movie, like, I, I, for me, when I was mildly forgettable. (laughs) Yeah. Mildly forgettable. It's time we talk about the cast, right? Okay. First of all, let's get get into it. We can ignore like our three biggest characters, right? We get, and then obviously we get Cotton. I love the opening with Cotton. I think it's a lot of fun. It's just like brings the best thing about Scream, and we talked about this last week, is that it's very relatable to where it is, and it's good that we get to rewatch that because I'm like, oh my god, car phones! Like, really, nobody yeah. really has a car phone anymore, right? But in 2000, people had car phones. My mother, um, oh, I remember car phones. Like when you used to take like. Like, my mother had a car phone. I think some of those old Lincoln Town cars had car phones. And, like, if you said car phone to anybody from the younger generation of today, they'd be like, what What the fuck? Like, you bring your phone in the car. It's like, no, no, it was attached it was to, like, dedicated. the dashboard. It had a cord and everything. Like It was the so- highlight and pinnacle of car 80s technology. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> Hopping back to the cast. So Scott Foley ends up becoming a really big name actor, right? Pas- uh, Patrick is the bodyguard, a.k.a., you know, voice and um, family guy, super famous voice, Kronk's voice. He becomes a mega star after this, too. Plus, you have Jenny McCarthy's already a mega star in it. The lead girl who plays Sydney, I know, is in a bunch of, like, 2000s independent films. Um, yeah. I can't. I can't name her name. I can't think of her off the top of my head, but like, I know she had a career after uh, what, uh, what's her name is in it. Um, Leah Parker Posey. Parker Posey's in it. I love Parker Posey, but uh, what's her name from star Wars? I can't even think of it right now. Oh, uh, Carrie it's Fisher. Car- yeah, yeah. Carrie Fisher. Like, mm-hmm. so there were some big, and I guess maybe at the time Carrie Fisher wasn't having the most successful career. Right. But I wonder mm-hmm. why she agreed to do that movie. Jay and Silent Bob made a made a cameo as well. Yeah, that's right. Jay and Silent Bob. We talked about that last time. I I wonder I wonder if it's like a similar type of story. Um, because I know, uh, you know what? Maybe I. This is completely pulling my head. You know, I'll look it up in a second. But uh, around this time, uh, Kevin Smith uh, was directing. Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, and a Carrie Fisher makes a huge cameo That's in that movie true. as well. So I'm wondering if, like, hey, can like, you know, maybe they, we were talking with Bob Weinstein's, like, hey, Carrie Fisher's are working on our project, like, and you know, we have a cameo. Can we bring her in? And like, she's a big name, a storied figure in Hollywood. So I, that that would make sense for the larger meta narrative. So that's my head canon, but you know, I will look it up because I'm very curious now about that. When So I mentioned this last time, but my roommate had never seen all the Scream movies, and then we decided we were going to binge all of them. And I asked her what her favorite sequel afterwards, and she said she really enjoyed Scream 3. And I think it's just because it's one of those movies that's so out there at that point and they try to like like i mentioned before try to acknowledge it by saying in the third movie there's some crazy twists and all this other stuff that's happening but i think maybe i'm just it's funny to see where everybody's at in their career because like courtney cox was really starting out in the movie as like this reporter in the first film now she has a book and she had the to be in 60 minutes two or whatever and we find out that storyline then we see dewey and like his character involvement and then sid and her character involvement and i think i just really enjoy the character involved it like it um involvement from movie to movie and in the third movie 
all the characters are kind of like pretending like they're okay and they're like dealing with what's happening but it doesn't seem like any of them have actually dealt with what's happening which is what we really see in scream four is like they're adults now yeah yeah canonically when does scream three take place after the original woodsboro mose like five years I don't know, because it would be four years after the screen came out, but I don't know if they give us an exact timeline of how much time it's been. Yeah, I think I think Scream 2 was probably the only sort of sense of a timeline that we got, because that was high school, college. It was, you can tell. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if we have, like, a real timeline for Scream 3. Because I, I know Scream 4 takes place a decade after Scream 3, but I think in the overall time, it actually takes place 15 years after the Woodsboro murders. So I'm just wondering... I mean, I guess I mean, you can... You can you five can, years would, would track then. Yeah, I think that five years is, I think is enough time where the characters are still like trying to figure out their place in time and their place in society, but it's still like kind of recent. So obviously with... Well, it's recent enough because she's still wearing... Um uh Derek's letters around her neck that's right yeah 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 and then I mean, um there's, there i mean i remember Wes talking about this in one of the um uh commentaries for i think it was it had to have been either screen one or screen two i can't remember which one how he was talking about laying all the groundwork for Sid to go through all the, all of this self-doubt and that's why she's where she is in Scream 3 and that's why Scream 3 before we got Scream 4 really felt like a true ending because she like opens the gate and like leaves the door open and it's just like we're done and it's you know yeah she becomes a fully actualized being she's yep. gotten over her PTSD or trauma and uh she's, maybe, she's like, maybe gonna date Patrick Dempsey we don't really know which I thought that was sort of implied like they got engaged at her house up in the mountains which I thought was really weird like Dewey and Gail got engaged at her house before they watched a movie up in the mountains which I always thought was kind of weird <laughs> but then she ends up dating a cop that saved her life I guess I don't know it's kind of crazy that we don't like in the first one obviously she's dating um skeet Ulrich, but you know this is what's interesting about her being a final girl is it's never really focused on her relationship in the first one it's core to the story but like in the second one like derek's there and she's just like confused because she's already been through a relationship where the guy was a killer so she don't know but in the third one it's like we kind of step away from that and in the fourth one we don't talk about a significant other at all I, yeah, I just assumed that she was just like, no, I'm giving up on that. And, yeah. She's an independent yeah. woman. She doesn't need a man. She's Yeah, she, she doesn't need anybody. That was, she and that's a, she's yeah. badass. I will, I will give Scream 3 this. One of the most haunting scenes from all four of these movies occurs in Scream 3 with her mom. That nightmare she has of her mom walking up to the house and, like, her fingertips are bloody from her, like, crawling through i'm guessing her coffin like that is probably one of the most haunting scenes from these four movies was beautifully done like her saying sid sid do you want to like i i can hear that when i close my eyes at night and it's definitely that that was really fucking well done there are really great moments in this movie i'm not saying it's complete trash those moments were interesting, but it, when when I was I was trying to dissect it, like I was so confused. Like, is she, was that actual PTS induced 
hallucinations or was it roman like breaking into her home and like doing all that weird yeah i i didn't get it it's it's not really (laughs) explained to because like if it was just left at that it'd be left at that but then they go on set and she's at the house and then you can tell that roman is clearly like remaking that when she goes into the house and the mom's like in the sheet thing again so i don't know that's a good point i never really thought about that yeah, I, guess, I like, assumed I assumed it was leftover PTSD when she's at her house because her whole big fear—that's part of the reason why she want to sleep with her boyfriend at the uh, sleep at Ski Ulrich in the first one was because she want to end up like her mom. So she doesn't want to be her. So she's kind of haunted by, I guess, this new memory that she thinks she has of her mom based on all the events that have sort of like unfolded around Nina Reynolds. Yeah. But by the time you get to Hollywood, it's definitely, I think it's definitely Roman by the time you get on set because he even reveals himself to be who he is. Like he's in the ghost face mask inside of a body bag, mimicking her voice, talking to Sydney. So I think by the time you get to Hollywood, it's absolutely Roman. That's just like fucking with her head. I I guess it just makes it either like Roman is so incredibly crafted at like reading people and like psychology that he knows what Sydney's already talking about and you know maybe you can throw in oh they're they're half siblings so maybe you know he has some special insight but it just seemed to me like like obviously that we don't like or the writing's not as clean maybe it's polished so maybe it was just we're, we're just gonna we're not not gonna talk about it we're gonna put it under the carpet you know yeah um, so I have one more question because I know we also have to talk about Scream 4, which we're already excited about. But um, when did you guys know that Roman was the killer or did you not know? The very first time I watched it, I didn't know. It actually took me by surprise. But even then when I watched it, I was like, what do you mean she has a brother? What what the what the actual fuck? I, I didn't know. And I was kind of angry at it. It's like this, this, uh, this, this just came out of nowhere. I mean, yeah. they were, they, they, it felt like they, they didn't. It, yeah, I mean, it, it, even with a grain of salt, you know, maybe maybe it was completely legitimate that like people thought that after Scream Two they wouldn't have a Scream Three, uh, but even then, you know, I didn't. I felt like it didn't work its way up to it or plant enough seeds or uh, just to earn that twist ending. It's like, oh shit! But it's like, no, it just seemed out of nowhere. It's like, oh, they they just ran out of stuff, ran out of steam to talk about, and they they wrote some wrote themselves to a corner and it's like okay you know what roman this guy we, we didn't give him enough role let's make him into a half brother and it's just like oh that seemed it just seems so shoehorned into me did yeah. you know it was him the whole time Amber? i knew um i knew right before the end that it was most likely him because they show right at the end of the house they show his body when she goes into the basement and i'm like it's so unlike scream to kill a major character and not let us see it and that's when i like it was kind of the tipping like i'm like oh he's probably the killer i didn't know a he was going to be alone and he's the spoilers only lone killer in the entire franchise and probably will be i wouldn't be surprised if scream scream 5 has two killers or they try to do something a little bit different but he's the only alone killer um and then uh he also is it, i i don't know it was I, it was fine for me i wouldn't say the ending reveal but it was just i had an idea was him when he was killed off screen but the thing i was gonna say was 
that they actually, again, wanted Matthew Lillard to be the killer in Scream 3. And they're like, wouldn't it be cool if we could bring him back for this whole story twist? But again, they it was just too hard for them to prove that he didn't die in the first movie, that they're like, we didn't want to completely destroy the franchise by doing something like that, which is crazy because they, they instead made an insane decision that Sydney had a half-brother, which I guess wouldn't be so crazy because if the mom did sleep around a lot, then like we know that that could have very well happened but that she was also a Hollywood actress named Rena Reynolds and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's still great. That's all I'm saying. Ever. You're just, I just, I just saw your face. You're like, oh, no way. Oh, okay, but this happened. This happened. But you, you, you step back. I, I admire your commitment to, to Scream 3. It's very I, admirable. I think that all of those conversations about trying to have Matthew Lillard come back got stuck with Matthew Lillard because when Scre- when everything was being announced for Scream 5, he full on put it out on in the world like I didn't I could not have died, you know, guys. Like I want to come back for this. He's like I think it's totally plausible that Stu survived. And I mean, I think that if that's how they do it, whether it's a lone killer or it's two and it's Stu um and that's how they bookend it, I'd be fine with that. Because they've written crazier shit into a universe to, like, try and and create a workaround. Could deal with that. More than I could deal with her having a half-brother. I'm sure you could find some way that he would have survived having a TV smash on his head. I will say that, like, Nev Kemble is such a good actress that even in the ending scene where, like, we've introduced this new character that's now our half-brother, she does really sell it as she cares about him as a killer. Like, when she, like, goes in and, and she just really sells that and makes you feel like, okay, maybe this is plausible. But it, it, I think it's just her really great acting ability. Yeah, that whole hand-holding moment, like, as he's dying, I was like, that's just genuine familial compassion right there. I understand what you're doing. It's wrong. She's like, shoot him in the head. Head. Yeah, I like, that's the other thing. Dewey just keeps going. I'm like, Dewey, chat. I'm so fascinated because like, because like. uh, uh, His presence in these movies. Oh, well, yeah, that too. But like, Sydney, Sydney has to have like, she must have like diplomatic immunity or like something because like the, the the amount of like homicides and manslaughters and like implications and, the, and like yeah all on all under self-defense but like how many how many characters has she's like straight up murked like a lot i think well uh, it can all be written off as self-defense it is yeah but like yeah it's, it's wild i i or maybe you know or or uh you know, Mark Kincaid, Mark Kincaid's like, you, you saved my life. We're going we're to clear your criminal record again. We didn't, you, you killed another person, but that's fine. Self-defense. I mean, she never, an argument could be made that she never actually like, killed anybody that didn't quote unquote deserve it. They were all trying to kill her. So it's, yeah. it's kill or be killed at that point. And then she becomes the angel of death. In Scream 4. Yes. It all tracks. <laughs> oh, Scream, is it time for us to just, like, geek out about Scream 4? I think I so. I, I can feel the tension. I can feel the energy. Let's I talk about... love Scream 4, as we totally. know. I brought yes. it up so much. One of my favorite sequels of all time could be better and arguably better than the first one. I'm, I'm kind of go back and forth. I think Scream 4 is more enjoyable watch, but the ending of Scream 1 is just so good that it, it was so innovative at its time. But 
I will say that Scream 4 opening might be the weakest opening out of all the Scream movies. I, yeah, I mean, I think it, it really went hard on, like, the meta, meta commentary. I think it was just trying to trying to be a little bit too self-aware, but at the same time, you know, I think maybe the audiences were wanted wanted to expect that. But yeah, I I, I do agree. It, it it didn't seem as shocking as gory as some of the like as the the other one. It just seemed it, it was more tongue in cheek and more meta commentary than anything. I mean, which didn't detract away. Yeah, we just killed off, like, I enjoy the opening of Scream 4, because you're right, it's very meta. They're like, you think you're in one movie, but then you're actually watching a movie and all that's happening. And we've introduced so many big-name actors in, like, a five-minute period and killing them. Like, you have um, you Kristen Bell, then you have Anna Paquin, then you have, uh, at the time, she was um, Darcy on Degrassi, but she was also in 902, and now I can't think of her name. She was really famous. Then you had the girl from Pretty Little Liars, Lucy Hale, who's really famous. And then you even go to the two main girls, Marnie and the other one. And those were both, like, up-and-coming actresses, especially in, like, the teen years. So they just had so many, like, big names in an opening. And I'm glad that they chose the opening, but I think the other, the Scream 1 opening, so good. Scream 2 opening is even really good. And I like Cotton's Kill in Scream 3. But Scream 4, while not a bad opening, just wasn't as powerful as the first three openings. Or, or maybe maybe they're just flexing. Like, hey, we're we're Scream 4. Look at all the awesome actresses and actors we're getting. We got Anna Paquin, Kristen Bell, Lucy Hale, Shania Graves. And that's just, th- those are just the meta movies. We're just waiting until the real movie. I, I think that... The younger cast that they have for Scream 4 was on par with the original cast from the first Scream. And I think I said this in our group chat that let's say you didn't have Scream 2 and Scream 3, you just had Scream. And then they did what they sort of did with Halloween, which was wait a whole bunch of years later and create a sequel. It would still have worked. And I still think it it makes it on par and like right there with the first one, even with this, even with the weaker opening, because it did exactly what the first Scream did. It took everything that we've sort of seen, did what Kevin and Wes do best, which is kind of flip it on its head. And it breathed new life into something that already into a genre that was already in existence. Like, not that it was dying, but remake and it's still happening remakes have been done to death and this was a movie that people were really hesitant about like why like we did this already it's done why are we making another scream movie and they they one up themselves uh, I was just going to say, they were at a time, too, in, like, the 2000s to 2010, where they were remaking literally everything. Like, we were getting everything at that point. But we also weren't taking it into that day and age, right? Like, they were trying to do that when they did the Halloween, like, resurrection, and they were in the house and had cameras, and they were taking all these remakes and sequels and doing that. But no one was relating it to the high school experience still. And we were just getting remakes with the same people who weren't understanding what youths really wanted to hear. They were only under understanding what back then wanted to hear still and I feel like Scream 4 was one of the first movies where like they really tapped into high school and like I really felt that those are decisions I would make or that the killer would be making at that time yep it it made it made it relevant it made horror relevant um and yeah you're right it it took it to a point where 
it was relatable to the audience that they were targeting. I saw Scream 4 in theaters, and I'm sitting there saying to myself, like, right before they come to the same conclusion in film class, or, like, in their AV club meeting, I'd be like, yeah, I'd be filming this shit if it were me. I would be putting it up all over the internet, because that's how we consume things now. Everything is on our phones. Everything is immediate. And they're right. The movie was precognitive and, like, of, you know, the the new high school experience, you know, where people are obsessed with stardom and fandom, social media, internet fame. And, like, uh, I know a lot of a lot of critics went back, uh, did, like, a retrospective review of Scream 4, and they were, they were acknowledging and crediting the team, like, of how accurate, uh, like, it's, it's, it's like a weird sort of Twilight Zone, Black Mirror type of... Uh, primitive story where you know like in 2020 you and like or 2021 i don't remember actually it was 2020 um like but like the like the the lengths people will go on tiktok to for fame you know there was a second where a second of time in early 2020 where everyone was eating tide pods for social media clout and you know um and this and this is not like a unique idea i mean you know off the top of my head you know i'm, I'm thinking of guns akimbo uh, i'm thinking of uh, spree did you did you guys see spree i haven't what's i have on, on hulu oh great film watch it today if you have hulu it's the guy joe um Keery from stranger things actually when i was working at read pop we had done like a panel with him about the movie but he's a spree killer because there's this app called spree it's like uber and you drive around but then he's like i'm gonna become really famous and everything so he literally starts killing people on his channel for fame but it's like he's insane so it's crazy he's so good you guys would love that movie if you haven't seen spree on hulu it came out he also makes memes on it on the page like there's actually an instagram page and it's hilarious it's very very meta great movie so if you haven't seen it go watch it hell yeah but I think back to what you were saying, Chris, is very true, is like Scream was, it was the direction that we were taking and maybe we didn't understand it at the time. Like Rai kind of mentioned, I saw it in theaters too. I remember I wanted to see it. Nobody wanted to see that movie because they were kind of just done with Scream. I was a freshman in college and I went opening day, first showing, like a noon showing to go see it. And I was like, this movie is so good and people have no idea. And even then I talk to people now and they're like, oh, I think Scream 4 is fine. I'm like, you didn't totally miss the entire concept of Scream if you think that movie's just okay. Just and you think fine, the first I know. Good. So. Yep. That's ex- I had to convince a group of people to come with me. They're like, yeah, I'm like, look, I'm not exactly thrilled about it either, but there's another one it's like when I know that there's more than one book in a series, even if I didn't like the first one, I feel if I'm halfway through the second one, I feel like compelled. To, I have to finish it. So I'm like, they made another one. Let's just finish it. And all of us were sitting in that theater going, holy shit, we underestimated this movie. Like truly underestimated. It's so good. And, you know, we didn't know that we were going to lose Wes after that. This one yeah. was this the last one he directed before this he is died? the last one. I think um, he passed away uh, somewhat recently after Scream 4. Because I don't remember if he had been working on anything else after Scream 4 before he died. You guys should just have a podcast episode. I'd be so interested about people who passed away and we never got something else. Like, for example, Bob Clark. 
original director of Fantastic Black Christmas, but he also directed uh, Christmas Story. So two of the most famous Christmas movies of all time, both directed by the same person, which is crazy because Black Christmas, really dark movie, really a Christmas dark story, movie. light kind of movie. But yeah. he was working on a sequel to Black Christmas and he passed away. And now I'll never get to know what nope. this Black Christmas sequel could have been, guys. And I'm upset about it. So. Recently, Shudder just restored and released what was supposedly a forgot a loss and forgotten the- Romero movie. Oh, yeah. And then they also had did that with the movie that came out with Charlie Sheen and had like a really big cast and three really famous people. Weren't George Clooney, I think, was in it, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't okay. remember what it's called, but you're right. Could be hope. Could be hope yeah. out there. Bob Clark's wife, if you're listening, find whatever he wrote. Send it to me. I live in Philly. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but, uh, Scream 4, Wes Craven's final film. Um, Ah. so, and then, uh, Scream 4 came out. At least it wasn't my soul to take, because, ugh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That movie. Uh, I saw that in theaters, too. I only went to go see that movie because my dad was in it, and, of course, they cut his part out. So it was a waste of money. But and it was and the scene was right there. It was happening, and then they cut away from it. And I was like, "Fuck!" No. That movie had a lot of potential. If they remade that movie for what it is, like, oh, all these kids born on the same day, stuff like that, was a lot of potential. I don't know what happened. It just fell apart really quick. Fucked it up. Yeah. Damn. Not not that we need any more remakes of anything. I'm all for original ideas. But that one, if they decided to remake it properly, I think could be good. Let's remake movies that, like, fell apart really bad and try to fix them. So, yeah. Urban Legend. Ooh, I love Urban I, I really do think we need another sequel. I know we're getting off tangent here, but I think we need a sequel to Urban Legend. Like, like I a real really... Se- well, we had one. Yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> the final cut sequel to Urban Legend, not good. And then the Bloody Mary one they did, also not good. But I think we need a true and new, real Urban yeah. Legend. Yeah. I'd be fine with that. Ryan and I reviewed Urban Legend on this podcast like a while yeah. ago, and we love it. We, I think we still love it. I and, like the first I, yeah. one. That's fine. Yeah, the first one. That, yeah, the, the first one. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. <laughs> I mean, we also did Blair Witch. And I love, I like, I love to hate watch Blair Witch 2 because it's so bad. <laughs> and Blair Witch 2. Blair Witch 2 was real. It was painful. And this is coming from me. It was so painful. I can hate watch it did, all day. Did you guys see the new Blair Witch that came out, like, what, three years ago? Yeah, we did that one, too. Oh, God. Mm. That one had I a just... lot of potential and then fell apart really quick, too. And I'm like, ooh. I the only the only one of the few remakes that I've seen that I thoroughly enjoyed that I think can really sort of step up to the original Evil Dead remake was actually pretty oh, I love the Evil Dead remake. I Evil Dead weird. remake, one of the you're right, greatest remakes of all time. Oh my god, has the worst scene ever that like uh-huh. still gets me this the tongue cutting yep. scene. Like yeah. I can't even like yep. watch. Yep, 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 yep. I have to sit has, there like this to watch it, but I have to watch it. <laughs> it just has all of those scenes that are like when the girl's like cutting her face. Like there's so much. I know we're we're getting off tangent here, but Scream Evil Dead remake. Oh god. Oh like yeah. so 
Evil Dead and Scream, I said before, I think I said on the last episode, the only two franchises maybe of all time that are consistently good films. Even like Scream 3, I know, you know, falls a little bit, but like so does kind of like Evil Dead. Like I like Army of Darkness, but we, we get really far out there with the Army of Darkness. Yeah. And then the remake brings us back. And so I think those are the only two complete series where I'm like, these are all good films that I could watch at any point in my life. Yeah. 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 I guess bringing it back to Scream, we have a, like, a, I guess, like a soft reboot or or sequel. I'm not, I mean, I, I haven't actually been keeping up with the, the news for Scream 5 that much, but. Uh, I haven't because from... I'm trying to will it to go away. Yeah. <laughs> I, quick pause, Chris. It's supposed to be like a reboot. So oh, they're is. like okay. in it, but it's also like apparently they're goodbyes. Like that's kind of what like the three main characters have said. Interesting. Oh, but, good. Um, so are they all going to... Oh, God, no. They're either all going to die and we're going to close the chapter, or they're all going to die and they're going to create a brand new little Sydney Prescott and keep going. Uh, yeah. If it's their goodbye, there's, all, there's only... An, either that or Sydney Prescott will become the ultimate final girl, and whoever this is, which would make sense again if they brought Stu back, it would be her and Stu, but that would also mean that Gail and Dewey do have to die. If this is really goodbye, no one will we get will we get Judy Hicks in the next movie? (laughs) (laughs) Like they didn't kill her. So like she's true in this. I know we always get that like Patrick Dempsey, we obviously never saw again, but will we see Judy Hicks in the next movie? Okay with that. Is she the sheriff now? Is is Dewey gonna be the old crotchety retired sheriff in this one? (laughs) It's gonna be some like really bad '80s movie. Like you're Judy Hicks. You need a part. No, I don't. Like damn it, you're a loose cannon cop, and I hate it. But you're you're the best cop. You're the best sheriff in Woodsboro. God damn it, you're the best sheriff in Woodsboro. <laughs> um, there's so much I want to talk about in the Scream Four, and I know we we can't go on forever. But I mentioned this last time. When did you, the ending, amazing. Rory Culkin, one of my all-time favorite actors. Emma Roberts, one of my all-time favorite actresses. Did either of you know that they were the killer or when did you realize that maybe one person? I knew it was Emma. I knew I knew at least one of them had to be her. When did you know? I I had I had a funny feeling. I was like, this is too easy for her. There was something about the way she was acting. I was very suspicious of her from the start. I was like, there's something feels off about this one. Like, this is too easy. There's too many red herrings that are, like, pointing to other people. I was like, this is too easy. I was like, I definitely think it's at least one of them was her. Um, Then got confirmation. And then I was sitting there waiting for the slip up because, as Sydney predicted, you're going to fuck up eventually. And she did. And it was a brilliant fuck up. Um, I did not see rory coming i think part of me had hoped that it would be her and kirby because that would have been something we hadn't seen before oh i didn't even think about that um because there were going to be i knew there i knew there were going to be two killers and i was like one of them is definitely the niece that i know that but i was kind of hoping it was going to be her and kirby and not her and and rory although i know why they did it because he was randy he was the randy and he had to get the yeah girl they, and whatever they hadn't touched those characters yet they've already at this point touched everybody they've done the reporter they've done the boyfriend they've done the side friend they've done a character you least inspect so all we really had left was like we still kind of have the slut character i guess maybe for the next one but we still have like we then we did the final girl and we did the the nerdy guy. 
Um, I did know, I knew it was Emma in the opening scene when I figured it out pretty fast. And maybe you guys catch on to this. But when the one girl picks up the phone and she says, Trevor, and then later on, we find out within like 10 minutes that Trevor was Emma Roberts's boyfriend and he cheated on her. And that's when I knew I was like, oh, Emma Roberts is most likely the killer. And they just kind of revealed it in the opening by saying the name Trevor. This is the girl that he cheated on Emma Roberts character with. So I did have an inkling of her character and the fact that Emma Roberts is such a talented actress and she's really underutilized in the beginning of the movie. Like she's just like a character that's there. And then, but we know why because she's actually overly utilized she's playing this fake character to then do her reveal is like oh my god it's like she's so many iconic lines too it's back to the opening scene we're like sick it's the new sane and i was so convincible i was believing myself like oh she her reveal is so good i love it she's so incredible Uh, her entire i think what what also really sells her um is her fucking commitment to how bad she was like, I don't need friends. I need fans. Great line. But watching her entire sequence where she was turning herself into the victim by herself, stabbing herself in the arm where she's just like screaming in pain and she's destroying the house at the same time. Like, like it is so it is mesmerizing to watch. Cause you're like, Holy shit. This girl's fucking insane. She literally went to every length to sell this to get what she wanted because she's like, what am I supposed to do? Go to college, do this, do that. Like, no, you like your boyfriend had to die. And like, you didn't, you didn't have as much trauma as I did. Now I've got trauma and I'm going to be a soul survivor. Like suck on that. Sydney. <laughs> like, she, like really had to just like one up her on every level. And it was really okay. Um, yeah. She, that's also partly why I never finished American Horror Story 1984 because she went back to the same shade of brown and I was like, I'm not going to watch this because if the killer turns out to be her and I knew it because they changed her hair color, I'm going to be pissed. I love <laughs> 1984, actually. That was I the only. I, I've only watched one complete season of American Horror Story and that's the only one. Oh, okay. I was going to say, was it Murder House? Because the first one was still the best one. Technically. I, okay, I did, I think, almost watch that in the entirety because I was watching in college when it was coming out. But 1984 was just so much fun because, like, we all love 80s horror movies, right? And they're just paying homage to so much stuff um, that it's really, really good. But she, her ending is so good. Like, I love when she's like, you know what they love? A soul survivor. Oh, bye, I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, Emma Roberts just, like, gave like such an amazing evil villain monologue and like like her her code switch at the end like wow this is a completely different character I'm like i love her this is awesome <laughs> um but like you know you were mentioning how like you know you know like all all the villains you know they have like a fatal fall they they fuck up and like so emma roberts or jill roberts uh, or jill's fatal flaw was mentioning the shoulder wound and like the matching wounds and like so i mean i mean obviously um you know they needed that in in the script to set up like the actual final final confrontation but when i was thinking about it more like jill she's so smart and my Velen, and maybe you could write it up as hubris or maybe she, she thought she had in the bag but like i i wouldn't have thought she would have made such a careless error but maybe i'm overthinking it because she she was so confident what did you what did 
you all think about that slip? What is that realistic for a character or is it unrealistic? I think it's realistic because she's human, right? Like she had been keeping up all these lies this entire time. She really, she just mutilated herself. And on top of all of that, a slip up like that, like, let's be honest, Dewey was going to write it off until Gail was like, wait a minute, hold on. If Gail wasn't as smart as she was and pointed it out, it would have just like, I don't think Dewey would have registered it at all. And I think that's part of the reason why it sort of slipped out. She probably thought she had it in the bag. That and the fact that she thought Sydney was dead. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I've got this. I got away with all of it. Even if she had realized it later, as long as no one came back to her to question her on it, she was golden. And yeah. nobody would have. Yeah, she, it's funny because at moments you're like, is Dewey a good cop? Like, we're not really not <laughs> Sarah, but like, And I get that's what they do in Scary Movie, right? When they make it like doofus and it's like making fun of Dewey the entire time and actually really funny. That that actor just made um a comic-con appearance and like apparently it was wild like almost sold out he was only really in one movie but people love him as doofus like i almost considered going because i just thought it would be funny but it's like is dewey a good cop or is gail so and that's like you feel gail's character like we talked about before like the evolvement of characters so like in the fourth movie here's where we're at Sydney has now written a book. She's totally moved past this. Like she's like coming out of on her own and she doesn't want to be a victim anymore. Not that she ever played the victim, but she is done with being a victim. We're on to Dewey. He's now the sheriff. He's in lead. He really loves Woodsboro. He's taking care of things. And we have Gail and Gail's at like, uh, okay, I've hit all my success. And now my success is being married to somebody. And I'm not used to that because I'm a person who is an independent woman who works on her own, solves things. And so Gail, I don't know, might be the best character out of the three of them because she's so, like, focused on saving and, like, figuring this out and is, like, going on her own to do it. And you're right. Like, I'm like, is Dewey a good cop? Or is just Gail's Uh, really good? Gail's Gail's the best. Gail's uh, OG. She's like, like, I I love, like, I love Kung Fury. I love, like, classic, like, over-the-top 80s cop movies. So she's like, you're not going to help me. I'm going rogue. Like, yeah, Gail, get it. Get it. And she, Gail, I mean, yeah. I know like, when you want to go back into being on Team Gail. It's like, fuck yeah. Yeah. And, and right, you had, you had a great point. Like, you you said, like, I now remember, like, Gail, Gail's the one who pieced together with Jail. It's like, oh, like, I, how did, how did she know? So, yeah, you know what? Gail. She Gail's the OG MVP. Yeah, <laughs> Gail. Gail in Scream Four, like there are a lot of winning characters. Gail's one of them. Rory Colgan is one of them because he's just like this. I uh, love him. He's just like this character who's there, and he's like running his cinema club. His other friends really weird, and then the other character for sure is Hayden Panettiere. Her remake scene where she goes through all the remakes, because again, at that time, we just talked about from the 2000s to 2010 was like remake central. Everybody was remaking everything. And she literally runs through every single remake. And it's so awesome. And like the person on the other line doesn't even answer. And then she runs out and Rory Culkin stabs her. And you're like, oh shit, Rory's bad. And then they've also teased that, you know, she hasn't been confirmed to come back for the next one, but she did recut her hair. I love her hairstyle in Scream 4. I think her best look, honestly, in her whole yeah. career. But also, they they said that they never killed her character on purpose or never said she died because yep. they didn't know what they wanted to do with her. Please keep her, because Kirby, yeah. Kirby was like, uh, her, she was 
What Bad if Kirk is going to awesome. be the new sheriff in Scream 5? Yes. <laughs> Do we still the sheriff? What's wrong with the city? Like... No, I don't think I don't think Dewey I don't think Dewey will make it, but maybe Gail like became the mayor or some shit like made I don't fucking know. Gail's gonna do something besides write another book, I feel like, by by the time we hit Scream Five. I'm gonna because... be upset if they're divorced in this series. I know obviously they're divorced in real life, but I really don't want their characters to be divorced. I don't want their characters. I was really terrified that we were gonna have to do we were going to have to go through screen two and screen three and like re like doing all that all over again at screen four. Like I'm not, I'm not usually one that's like, they have to stay together, but it's part of the reason why those movies worked is because when the two of them got together to start figuring this shit out, um, it, it really, oh, really just Gail figuring it out and doing yeah, it. Really like, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> true. But I really, I really hope that those two characters at least like they're they're still together by the time we get to Scream Five. I was actually kind of worried that they wouldn't be when when I saw Dewey was married. I was like, please let that be Gail behind him. Please let that be Gail behind him. And he like got out of bed and she rolled over. And I was like, hey. I, I think it provides like a like uh, well one an interesting mode of conflict because you know it uh, especially they're very ten years different people. <laughs> yeah, they're they're married, but they're still very two different people with different wants and dreams. You know, and you know, and like, Judy Hicks still has her lemon squares, probably. So that tastes like <laughs> ass, apparently. Yeah, but even yeah. she still eats them. She's like, I don't care that you bake my husband the little treats. I was like, bitch, I saw you literally just take a bite. You but found they taste like ass. <laughs> you found the smallest piece, but you still ate it. Yeah. I don't know. Oh. I think they should stay together. I think it, it it also provides like a bit of levity and and like hope. You know, it, obviously it's a horror movie and like you know things are gonna get dark, but like you know also need that comedy factor or that like wholesome factor. And like you know, I ship them too. They have to be together. A real riot. Also, things where it's like you really thought that like ten years. Wow, I'm actually kind of shocked that Gail like didn't bite Dewey's head off. And you know, I, you you kind of feel her feeling stagnant. And I think one of my favorite Gail moments is when she's talking to Allison Bree, the Sydney's rep, and she's like, yeah, you gave it all up for love, you know, and then she said something about her tarnished bread, and she's like, if you don't, right, she's like, if you don't, like, back up, I'll, I'll find my foot, I'll, or something, I can't, I don't She says, I'll oh, rearrange your face with my tarnished, my tarnished brand. brand. <laughs> yes, exactly. And she walks away, three, like, still got, still got it. it. <laughs> like, yes, you do. So just, yeah, I think that there's something about, like, the solo Gale dynamic. Like, it still works for the film, but ultimately, like, she does her best work when, in a sense, Dewey, like, kind of humanizes her. Like, she really is, like, cutthroat and willing to do whatever she can to get to the bottom of a story that she's chasing. And I think that's really awesome and ad admirable because she's like, I take no prisoners like this is I'm cut I'm ruthless and I don't care if you know it like it's not that's not my fucking problem but I think that Dewey in a way sort of like human like takes her down to like a human level like okay I get it you're hungry for this but let's come at this from a rational perspective instead of running in guns blazing not and I'm not trying to say that like women need rationalizing but sometimes Gail tries to go for the throat first and you need to just take a step back and breathe and I think that without their dynamics there's something that's really awesome i think as i think what's strong about their relationship you know they just they complement each other they so supply yeah. they, like you know they balance each other out and and you know i think that makes for you know a relationship that's not perfect but you know something yeah. that's that's still 
you know, they, they, they can work through it and then they, they, they each provide each other something that they are wanting or needing and they're, they like come out real, better. Relatable they're, relationship. Yeah, exactly. So here's another question about the future scream. Will either Gail and Dewey or again, Sydney's character, will any of their kids be in this? Like, will they have children and will they be involved with it? Because oh, we don't know how much we're fast forwarding and we know that it's been at least 10 years, but will they fast forward it even more? So at this point, like these kids could be in high school. Will they have kids and will they be involved with whatever the storyline is? Or do none of them have, just ever have kids? I would be surprised if... I'd be surprised if they yeah. had children. But then how do you... But see, here's the thing, though, is how do you reintroduce the high school element if none of them have children? They reintroduced yeah. the high school element with Scream 4 by giving her a niece. So how do you reintroduce... I mean, now, now Scream 2 and Scream 3 didn't exactly take place in high school, and we under and I get all of that. But there was also another... There, they were in college in the second one. The third one was about a movie. So, like, how do you reintroduce that element in Scream 5 if you're not gonna... I mean... Did Stu like seed a child somewhere in 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 high school, and now we've got Stu's kid? I don't I don't know something wacky like that. I could totally see them doing something bullshit like that. That would be so bad. A long lost kid of Stu who ends up right. in an orphanage, and then he re he gets he he I don't raised know, he by a single mom who got like you know like I could totally see that shit. Like, being damaged by all of that. Like, that's some bullshit that they could absolutely, you know, write into. into I don't know. I hope they don't do that. But yeah, you, I don't right, know. You, I... You, bring up a, you bring up a good point. Like, you have there has to be some natural way to keep it to the high school setting. Yeah. So, I mean, I would like, you know, I, I have, I am morbidly curious to see what Dewey and, and Gail's kid would be like. Uh, and may, Maybe Sydney never set, settles down with, oh, maybe she's just, maybe she's just, remains single there's nothing wrong with that maybe she's just anti-sid and anti-sid just like hangs around and like takes care of uh dewey and gail's kid and what maybe gail's like you know doing 60 minutes so she's uh a lot uh away out of town three now 60 minutes yeah. three that's right you know she's she's um pursuing her career maybe she's not around as often so you know so sid maybe that's a natural way sid could still be part of the family part of the story yeah, if you were going to introduce either one of them having children into this world, it, it I don't I don't see a, a a reason for it to be said and for it to make sense because her whole thing was like sowing the seeds of distrust for a significant other and I know that the whole point of 4 was for her to sort of move past all of that, but you she's human. How much do you really get over that? Do you really want to bring a kid up in that kind of world like she is forever i hate to say it but she is forever like a survivor like a victim of all of these brutal crimes do you really want to bring a child around in to that i don't see i don't see a reason i don't see like a good enough like a plausible reason for sid to have a kid so we briefly talked about this before but how this is supposed to be like a reboot and everything and in every scream movie it's been connected to sid right the yeah. first one was her boyfriend, really about her mom, but connected. She was, like, a part of the storyline. The second one, at this point, was the Billy Loomis storyline. So, again, say the third one, her half-brother. And even this one, Emma Roberts, is really wants to become her. In yeah. the fifth one, if it is a reboot, 
is she the the focus why this is happening or she just happens to be involved with the storyline because she'll always be attached to it i think if it's going to be successful given the fact that wes is no longer doing it it's gonna have to be this i'd go with option two you can't necessarily make her the focus of it especially if the idea is that it's like a soft reboot it's a passing of the torch which i hate but they have to be secondary to whatever's going on. They can be there, but it can't necessarily be about them anymore because their stories feel very done at this point. Like, yeah, I, I, I agree. Truly done. She wrote a book. She started a new chapter. I'm get. We know Gail gets another book out of out of Scream Four, so we're gonna have to deal with all of that. What's interesting though is even though they were done in Scream Four, when the writer wrote Scream Four, he pitched Scream Four, Five, and Six. So they had actually Whoa. written out three storylines. Yeah. And again, like this would be a podcast talking about if we had West come back. What were those? How were they setting it up? And like, again, they were making decisions that like Kirby, we didn't know if she died. They were doing stuff on purpose. Maybe we didn't realize because we never got those two other sequels because West died. And also because the movie didn't perform as well in the box office as they wanted it to. I think it made like 72 million on like a $40 million budget. And people were upset. That's still a success to me, but like it I get it. Success, like yeah. success to me, but um, you know. But yeah, when they originally did Scream Four, he wrote Scream Four, Five, and Six. So I wonder where, like, he did the thing that we wish that they did with Scream Three, where they had a plan, and this time we had a plan, but but then we didn't get to follow the plan. So I wonder if this new one somehow connects the plan, or we just like completely scrapped what would have been Five and Six and made something new. Is Kevin? writer for Scream 5? No, he's not the writer. He's a produce, executive producer. Well, he was a producer on Scream 3 and he didn't write it. Look what happened. Yeah, so for... It was for a Scre masterpiece. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Scream or Scream 5 or Scream, you know, uh, I know Amber has a lot of thoughts on the, the name. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's going to be directed by Matt Bettelini open, Tyler G Gillette, uh, producers. Oh, interesting. Oh, wait. Uh, no, Kevin, Kevin Willis is not even a producer here. He's like, I don't think Kevin, Kevin Willis is not no uh, involved in, at all. There's no hope. There's no hope. <laughs> it's gonna is Roger L. Jackson still the voice? He's got to still be the voice, right? Of Ghostface. They, they wouldn't go that far off the map here. Hold on. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. So Kevin Willis, he's, uh, he's going to be executive producer. I'm sorry about that. Roger L. Jackson's still the voice of Ghostface. Okay. 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 Let's see how long that lasts, but okay. I'm, I'm looking at this cast list. So yeah, David Arquette's coming back. Nev Campbell's coming back. Courtney Cox. Uh, Judy Hicks is coming be... back. Woo! Uh, yeah, she's, she's confirmed. Awesome. Cool. Judy! I can't uh, believe Judy Hicks is coming. <laughs> <laughs> is she the killer this time? Okay, here's a fun question. If you could have any character, dead or alive, come back for the new Scream movie, who Randy! would it be? Uh, Randy! Randy! Ra uh, Randy. <laughs> Randy, Randy, like, like, uh, like, like another another VHS is delivered to like to Sydney, and it, it, she he she plays it, and it's like Randy, thirty years hours. older, yeah. recording, and he just walks in. It's like I ah, surprise. I'm I'm all, I'm a lot. If I could have any, if I could have any, I. Randy, but then I also there's a small part of me that really wants Stu to come back and like oh, finish damn. what he started because those one-liners from Scream, man. I mean, like 
finish oh. what he started. It wasn't even his plan. And it yet wasn't everything. even his plan, but maybe maybe he had some time to think. Maybe he got hit in, hit in the head with the TV and was found critically injured later. He had didn't an internal, know who he was. Didn't know who yes. he was. He had an internal decapitation issue that they fixed. Didn't know yeah, who he Stu, was. has like re- facial reconstructive surgery. <laughs> I mean, Mrs. Loomis did. Yeah. Okay, so what we're definitely bringing back, if we they had to bring back Stu, he's either a twin, right? Like there's a Stu twin living out there. Or like a Stu has a half brother. Like we're going to find out that Renal Reynolds' dad was actually Stu's dad. dad. And so... <laughs> And then, and then Stu has an identical twin brother. And then, <laughs> can we like quick talk about the Scream Five cast? It's huge. Jenna Ortega, one of the biggest like teen actresses right now. Jack Quaid, really big from the boys. Dylan Mignette, like heartthrob teen superstar as well. They literally are rebuilding Scream with like three or four huge. Big, big names, like teen, 20s actors. They're doing the exact same thing. I'm going to be so bummed if this is bad. But, like, it's like we're all going to go see it, right? We said for Scream 4, like, oh, they're making a Scream 4. And then we ended up getting blown away. Like, I really hope that they don't just destroy this legacy with this movie. Uh, I mean, I guess, I'm you know, the only way scared. to find out, we got to go to theaters. Theaters are opening back up. We're going to go squad deep. I can't wait. I mean, I'll do it, but I'm scared. I mean, I want to I want to be helpful or hopeful because Kevin is producing again, but he also produced on Scream Three and like you know, cough, rye, cough, cough. What? <laughs> uh, not the best one according to her. So I don't know. I mean, I it's interesting. I don't know. I think at, at the least they'll they'll approach it with a from a place of respect because you know the last film that we got was. Craven's final film. Um, there's a legion of fans, and you know, they're also. I mean, I think they're they're making the, the right steps already. They're they're bringing back, you know, the, the original three, and they're bringing back Judy Hicks. I'm so excited about that. I did not know that was that was right. A thing. So Judy Hicks is going to be the new sheriff. The new yeah. sheriff. I'm actually reading some facts about this movie. So um, apparently, and I didn't know this. Apparently, her character was supposed to die in Scream Four, and then they rewrote it and let her live. I think, and it's a smart move because it can't always be the same three characters living. Like every so often, somebody else has to survive this, and they already killed off like Emma Roberts' mom and other characters. And like we didn't even talk about this, but like big cast, right? Anthony Anderson in the cop scene with Adam Brody. Yes, that was so good. I have a scene in my mind, like right now, like tying back to that great scene where, where they were talking about, like it sucks being a cop in movies, and it's like, yeah, you're a cop either if you're if you're gonna be, uh, it's the day before your retirement, or you're, or you're a rookie cop who just married and has a kid. So what I'm thinking, maybe this this would be so ballsy, but maybe it's a Dewey Riley is about to retire as sheriff. And he's the first kill, or he gets killed first. Oh. And then Judy Hicks, Judy's like, and Judy Hicks finds out, like, it's Ghostface. And, the, and so, like, Judy Hicks uh, is, like, the main Dewey character, and she teams up with Gail. Gail and Judy, like, put away the, the, like, their years-long feud of, like, of being really catty to each other, because they, in a way, they both, both love Dewey. Uh, and they're like, we're, we're out for vengeance. And that that's my that would be that my. would be definitely think 
that that's the one of the few ways that Scream 5 could work. Like, I would be okay with that. I do think that if you have to kill off Dewey and Gale, Dewey has to die first. Gale has to survive long Gale enough. Gale has to, to yeah. still be... Yeah, they have to... For Gale to have a successful ending, like, it has to be a Gale ending where, like, she might die, but she still was significantly important yeah. in, like solving this so i'm also reading so after they decided that they weren't going to kill judy is that when they made scream five now they did take some of the script that they originally wrote for scream five and six so they are on whatever path they're originally on we just don't know what that path was because they never released those other scripts to anybody God, I'm, I'm like i'm sorry like i really love my theory i wanted that to happen <laughs> me too i i think that would be good i think if they killed one of the main characters in the opening like the synopsis of this movie is that sid comes back to her hometown to figure out a series of crimes so like she must not live in woodsboro she's coming back again chances dewey still probably lives in woodsboro if him and gail are still happy she probably works there or maybe commutes back and forth i think a killing off dewey is the only, if you can kill one character in the opening sequence, the only character you can kill is Dewey. You can't kill Sid. She has to make it through the entire movie. And we know with the plot, she's coming back. And you have to keep Gale because Gale would not survive and make the best decisions out of the three of them for all three movies to then make a bad decision in the beginning of the opening, like fifth movie. And also she provides like uh, a key anchor to or key insight to the rest of the murders. And she's like, she she wrote the book on it. And, you know, I I, I love um, I, I think she is a great vehicle to drive the story along. She makes rash decisions. She goes rogue. Uh, it, it creates additional opportunities for Ghostface or the killers to like, you know, create more danger, more, more interesting conflict to just drive the story forward. So, yeah. Um, so I think we're we're getting a little bit. Uh, over time so i want to wrap this up um by giving our final thoughts on screaming three and four uh I, we covered a little bit but any additional thoughts of what you most want to see from scream five and then just like your overall feelings like like you know obviously we all love it but i i i posed a question last uh episode um so factoring to three and four is there any new insights into like the legacy of, of scream? So uh, how about rice stuff first? I, I think that scream is one of the few successful horror legacies that we have. Um, even despite the, the flaws of some of them, I know I was nervous for four when it came out and I was happy that they proved me wrong. It was ultimately a really massive success in my eyes, as a fan of the genre and a fan of these movies. And I think that they did something really awesome and special with it that took you back to the first one. That being said, I am ten times more nervous for Scream 5 because when after Wes died, when they first talked about Scream 5, Courtney, David, and Nev were like, no, we're not coming back. We're not doing this. I, I, we're done. Like, we put it behind us. We're done. And then a couple more years went by. Now all of a sudden we have Scream 5 and they're all back on board. And for them to switch like that, there has to be, I want to believe that there has to be something good about what they're putting out for all of them to come back and get involved again. Um, But I'm still really, really, really like more hesitant to go see Scream 5 than I was to see Scream 4. I'm genuinely afraid that they're really, really going to fuck this up royally. Agree with 
with Riot because of the legacy of Scream. And as I said before, either the best or one of the best complete series of all time. There's so much to lose and not much to gain. The gain is profit and continuing a legacy that still exists today. But the fact that all the movies were good and still hold up to then do another movie is really ballsy. And, you know, after Scream 3, Wes said he was done. And he said he would only come back if somebody brought him something so innovative that he felt it was just as good as the first movie, which is why they made Scream 4. He felt it was going to be just as good as the first one. And I completely agree. Like, Scream 4, 5 out of 5 rating, excellent film. Scream 3, 4 out of 5 rating, for its attempt at meta, I really enjoy it. And I, <laughs> and I think that he really, he tried something new and took a risk and didn't take a ridiculous risk like Friday the 13th and Halloween and other movies made that made their franchise become less respectable. I don't think Scream 3 ruined Scream as a series. And luckily they made Scream 4 that brought it all the way back up to the original and that's the problem with having a scream five is like we run the risk of completely tarnishing a legacy that west did so well but again what rye said is the three characters said they weren't going to come back now they've agreed to come back there has to be something that's really really important um for them all to make it and another quick final note i won't reveal anything like this but one of my friends is actually a director and someone did approach him about Scream 5 like two or three years ago and asked him what he would do and I'm never going to give away what he would do but it was very meta and I thought maybe and especially if this is where Scream is going to go then I'd be super interested to know but it is just could be so meta that it takes it to a new legacy. And I think that's great, but it's hard to have a Scream franchise when you've had the same three characters for four movies and now a fifth movie and be like, okay, now we're going to go off and do our own thing. See you guys. Yeah, those are all great points. I completely agree. There's not much more I can add. Uh, Scream 3, uh, I would give it three, 3.5 Ghost Faces. I, I enjoyed it. I, I would, f I, out of all the scream fills, I felt it was like the least glorious. And it, I, th I felt like it hyped up more the comedic meta narrative uh, elements, I, I think more in comparison to some of the other films. Uh, that being said, like, uh, I, I think like the, you know, it, they're, it's a movie within a movie and like they have the main characters and then they have actors playing the, their characters. And it, I think it made for really interesting uh, character moments. Uh, although, you know, there were some parts of the movie that I felt could have been tightened up with like a, like a, a third or fourth rewrite. Um, you know, Roman with the half brother kind of thing, like that, that kind of like for me jumped the shark. But, um, you know, you know, I, a lot of especially horror movies you you gotta go, go into these with like a certain suspense of belief so um definitely definitely for me not a terrible movie um i still enjoyed it but my god scream four what a masterpiece like completely yet again reinvented himself really pushed into uh like the modern age with all the social media and the uh all that commentary i eat that shit up you know like i love you know like all, all the speculative fiction about social media and technology you know like, that's why like uh black mirrors like one of my all-time favorite shows it had that type of it felt like a more grounded version of black mirror and like other movies like 
uh amber amber um oh god what was that name of that movie i need to watch that movie that you were mentioning before on who spree 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 guns and kimbo like i love that that type of setup um and you know the the new the new wave the new cast uh felt real it felt um it felt relatable and you know and i it's that that third act reveal with with jill my god cannot it was it was meteoric and i i i am so i'm i respect craven so much to be that willing to to take the less the the path less taken was like i will not do a movie i will not do a scream for because i i believe he he's a man of vision and integrity he's like if it's not worth it i'm not gonna do it for a dollar because i but then then he made scream four which is like oh so good and we've come to scream five and um you know if we never had scream five i would be perfectly happy but you know in this the hollywood machine as it is it it will not allow that we're it's all about the power the, the power of ip is so so entrenched and you know it's so hard to get something new and original made uh and it's so much easier to just you know you know to buy in on that nostalgia culture and the, it rides a it's a it rides a thin needles it's a double-bladed sword so i, I don't know uh, i'm I I will say after after recording this, I am much more enthusiastic for two main reasons. One, Judy Hicks, and two, Lemon Squares. Yes, Lemon Squares, <laughs> and two, I love Judy. Judy Hicks was one of my favorite characters in in Scream Four, and two, the po- like Amber, you blew my mind because I did not know that Kirby was never implied to be dead. I love Hayden Panettiere. I love Kirby's character. I would love her to come back as like a. You know what would be really cool if Randy came back and Kirby came back and they're just they have like this relationship where they for their mutual love of horror they the both of them tag team to provide like the new quote unquote rules of the killings. I think that'll be a really cool uh, interplay like like two or three different t- generations all working together. So I don't know for me after I mean, before the recording I was like ah, I don't know but after this recording I'm actually really excited for a Scream Five. Um, and you know, if I'm disappointed, well, at least I have my hand cannon because I want Dewey to die. That is my. I'd be hand okay cannon. if Dewey died. I would really be okay if Dewey died. But you know, I we all sort of we all sort of are on the same page with if one of the original three, like if they have to kill off Dewey, Gale, and Sydney, Dewey has to go first. Yes. You really quick, we just mentioned it. Is like. The good thing is that if Scream 5 is not that good, we most likely know we're still getting a Scream 6 because we know that they wrote like 5 and 6 and are apparently going to try to stick to that path still. So there could be hope, but I just think it overall tarnishes Scream's legacy forever of being one of the greatest complete franchises. And at that point, it's like we're just trying to see a movie that becomes better than what we just saw. Yeah. Or we take over... And they stab ten. Stab X. Stab X. Stab X. Um, well, I think that's about it. Um, Amber, thank you so much for being one of the one of the most knowledgeable yeah. horror guests on our show of all time. Yeah. 
we would love to have you back. You know, we were, I, I, we're, we're kind of, like, we're kind of, we're kind of voluntelling you to come back because, like, we we got Jigsaw to talk about, yeah. um, you know, Black Christmas, we, you, you know, Christmas horror. You know, we we uh, we gotta we gotta bring you back and get your thoughts and stuff. So. Amber. We have to come back for Scream 5 because That's now right. we're talking about yes. 1, 2, 3, and 4. When Scream 5 comes back, I have to come back to, to yes. keep on this line. Will it be better than Scream 3? I don't know, guys. I don't know. I mean, I, we I have about it. seven months to find out. Uh, <laughs> January 14, 2022, that is Scream 5's release. So, right, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, sorry, Dreadfuls. You, you have to wait seven months wait before. Seven months. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Amber, uh, we are so honored to have you as a guest. Is there anything you want to say to the Dreadfuls before we peace out? No, this was really great. I'm so glad that you guys had me on. Scream is one of my favorite series to talk about because it's it's our generation's Friday the 13th, Halloween. And it's that, it's Saw, it's Paranormal Activity. Those are the three franchises really that we get to have as a generation. So it's very excited to talk about probably the best out of those three which would be Scream. I would volunteer Insidious to join that. Cause... Okay, that's fair. Insidious is a good series. And I guess maybe now The Conjuring to a certain uh, extent. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the, con the first Conjuring in theaters and it definitely scared the bejesus out of me when I saw it in theaters. Wait, I never saw those... the second one and the third one is sort of... I didn't like the second one. The third one I just watched the other day. I thought the third one was better than the second one, but it's a totally new. It's not really scary anymore. It's a it's a new direction that they're taking people. Is that the new one that just came out on HBO Max? Yeah, yep. the devil made oh. me do it. Okay. Well, we haven't done the conjuring on the show, so maybe you want you, you want to Amber. You always <laughs> you you're always always free to come back. <laughs> I appreciate. I know that. that I know that Lorraine Warren makes a cameo in The Devil Made Me Do It shortly before she died, so that's fun. I have a lot of fun facts about Lorraine, so I maybe I will come back for a conjuring discussion because I don't know if you heard the Zenoscope podcast, but the character I picked this month was Lorraine Warren as our badass female. Uh, because she is a badass female. Yeah. I love Lorraine Warren. Obsessed. I'd be down. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're doing the conjuring. Is that what's happening? <laughs> we're doing, we're, it's, it's, <laughs> it's on the calendar. We're putting it on the calendar. It's going to happen. Hell yeah. I got I to gotta get Chris into some Italian horror before we do the conjuring, but we're going to do it. On that note, thank you for listening to another episode of Left for Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Left 4 Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook, and you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. And thank you so much for listening. We hope you had a fun time with us on this Scream Marathon. Um, and uh, uh, we haven't talked about it, you know. Although I I did start watching the Scream MD MTV series, I'm actually oh, enjoying no. it. So who knows? You know. But until then, uh, uh, enjoy the Scream movies. Uh, we'll see you in seven months. Yes. It'll be great. I'm excited. <laughs> uh, and as always, stay dreadful. <laughs>